On this episode, we discuss Google buying Fitbit, some YouTube terms of service changes, again, and the Boeing Starliner is on track for a December launch. We also discuss Disney Plus becoming available at the last hour for Fire TV. And finally, I do an Arrow-inspired version of Geek Wars. This and more in this week's show. I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. This is the official gunageek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official gunageek.com show. I am Steven Jondra, and I'm pleased to say that Chris Farrell is here this week. Hey, that's me. And I'm also happy to say that Stargate Pioneer is here to keep us in check because he is the only one that has ever, ever played checkers out of the three of us. Probably the only one that's ever played hockey and has actually checked someone. You know, I was going to go with that joke, but I thought that that was a little bit uh, too low hanging fruit. So I took it way out there, way out there. Steven's Canadian. Aren't they required to play in like elementary school? You know, it's actually part of the curriculum. It is. Mm. And this is the week to go way out there with hockey, right? With Don Cherry. I was not going to go anywhere near hockey for a couple of different reasons. Mm -hmm. I was bringing it right to it. So we're here with a geek show where we don't talk hockey uh, unless there's some form of weird, cool technology like that time way back when they did the super streaky puck in hockey, man. Do you remember we were doing the podcast way back when they did the little streaky puck? No, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the it's case. It's actually before the podcast. It was, yes. Yes, yeah. it has, because we've been podcasting for 22 years. <laughs> we ha- we're going to put out first place podcaster cups and mugs and posters and stuff like that, because we've been at it before everyone else. Can I just say, that's a really, really douchey thing to do, is just go out there and, hey, and hey, gloat, you- gloat that you... That- was there before everybody you've met me right if i can get if i can take a win i'm taking a win i don't give a crap number one we were first first on the scene i'm not talking about you who else could you be talking about it's only me that would say something so outlandish like that no idea definitely not any business in the podcasting space no that would just be dumb to alienate your potential clients that would be so weird yeah that'd be weird Anyways, uh, moving on, uh, I have a couple follow-ups from some previous discussion points that we've had. Uh, Number one, we talked previously about how there is a new Nest product on the line. There's the Nest Hub Max. That's the display that sits on your desk, and it's got a camera. And I am actually going to get to check this out pretty quick here because my dad actually purchased one of these. So he purchased one of those, and... uh, we did a little video call earlier in a test, and video looks pretty good. It looked pretty good. Uh, we did a duo call. I was on my phone. It looked really good. But the thing was, apparently, he was having issues setting it up earlier today. So he tried to do calls, and it wasn't working. It was giving an error message. It wasn't, didn't know what was going on. So eventually, he found a button there to request help. So he, he pushed the help button on there and then got in touch with Google support, and they walked him through helping out. But the way that they started it was, so I see that you're trying to make a call and having issues. They knew. Oh, yeah. They knew. So it's just goes to show if you don't think that all of your stuff is accessible, well, you're crazy. So there you There's go. probably something you've signed on to to say that when you're requesting tech support, they can look and see what it was you're trying to do in the system logs. That, yeah. that makes sense to me. Yes, it might sound a little icky off the top of your head, but then you go, well, wait a second, how else are they going to support me? Because it's a lot easier for them to look and see what I did versus have me try and describe it and be like, I think this is what I meant to do. And they'll be like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> so anyways, I thought that was an amusing story that I just got like an hour and a half ago. I thought I would share it here. Indeed. The second thing that I needed to follow up with right now was uh, last week we were talking about drones and I have a major correction to make. And I am very disappointed, SP, that you did not call me out on this. Ooh. Do you know what I'm going to well, say? 
you were talking, so I was probably sleeping. <laughs> Fair enough. So in that conversation, I said to you, uh, SP, you've got a couple of drones. You've got several in there. And I said that I have one drone. What's wrong with that, SP? Well, I know you have a Death Star drone, so that's two right there. I actually have more than that. I also have the Parrot Bebop. Yeah, the, it's a wild child, uh -huh. but it is fun. Yeah. And I also have the AR-2. So I really have four drones if you count this little Star Wars foam drone that's really only usable indoors. So how dare I? How dare I say I only had one drone? Now, only one of those can be flown outside because uh, the rest aren't registered and I'm not allowed to. So since they're not registered, but yeah, I, I was disappointed in USP as I edited last week. Would the range of the AR drone be within legal limits to fly now? Or is it just the weight? Uh, it's the weight. The weight. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, Chris Farrell is asleep, so I guess we should move on to the news. But I wanted to correct myself before someone uh, else corrected myself. Steven, are you done talking? I could use a couple more minutes. Very disappointed. Mm. Very disappointed mm. in you. You know that your contract says you have to always act like I'm interesting. My contract also says I'm supposed to get paid. Look, that ain't happened. Let's kick off the news this week with a little bit of Google news, and we might actually have more than just my news point, but I will start us off. This news came out last week, even though officially it was kind of the week before, but somehow it missed everybody, it seemed like. Google's parent, Alphabet, did announce that they, on November 1st, ended up purchasing Fitbit for about $2.1 billion. Yes, Fitbit is now a Google product. Well, an Alphabet product, technically. The thing with this here that I wanted to bring up is that currently the speculation is what exactly is Google going to do? Everybody is speculating, but there was a statement made by Google's hardware chief, Rick Osterloch, and he said, by working closely with Fitbit's team of experts and bringing together the best AI software and hardware, we can help spur innovation in wearables and build products to benefit even more people around the world. Google, Google also remains committed to Wear OS and our ecosystem partners, and we plan to work closely with Fitbit to combine the best of our respective smartwatch and fitness tracker platforms. So we don't know what exactly is Google going to do with this. It sounds like there is a little bit of possible amalgamation of some form coming between Wear OS, which is Google's uh, Android Wear, essentially, operating system. They now call it, I think, Wear OS. And Google also likes to mine data. So we don't know if they're going to mine data, but they do claim that they're not going to use it for ads, the data from the Fitbit. I had heard that they were going to call it the Nestware. <laughs> feels like something you'd find in the second floor of Macy's. Second floor. You spend a lot of time there, I guess. I do. I do a lot. Okay, so let's let's talk the real dirt here. Let's talk the speculation. So it looks like they're not denying that there's probably some changes that come in for Fitbit. It sounds like they say that they're not going to use the data on the Fitbits for ads, but we do know that Google likes data. Chris Farrell, give me your thoughts on this whole thing. Uh, say goodbye to Wear OS, which is probably a good thing because while I have a Wear OS watch that I wear every day, uh, to say that support for it has been lacking would probably be an understatement in recent time. There's been a lot of hope on like the Wear OS subreddit and things like that, that we would get a pixel version of a Google watch. Hasn't happened. And it's slow. It's painfully slow at times. Even though there's new processors out, things like that, nothing's really quite making use of it. And say what you want about Fitbit. They own the, the, uh, all the software and things like that from the Pebble Watch. They've incorporated that in there. They've made a wearable that's successful, that isn't slow as can be, does fitness tracking. Now, if you can kind of combine what Fitbit and what Wear OS represent into something that's decent and, dare I say, like the Apple Watch, you might be in better shape, but as a longtime Wear OS user, Android Wear user, which was its old name, 
I'm just kind of burnt out on all these promises. Well, but it's going to get good again because it hasn't. It's decent. It's better than the alternative, which is nothing because I don't like the Samsung ones. They don't necessarily play nice with things. So I continue to use Android Wear because I really have no choice. I have no plans to buy a new Android Wear watch. And if this one were to crap out tomorrow, I would probably just go without a smartwatch because it's just bleh. I personally think there's quite a bit of change coming to the Fitbit side of things because I think that they're probably going to lean more towards taking what works well with Fitbit and incorporating that into a uh, Wear OS product only because of the fact that Wear OS is supposed like it does so much more than the Fitbit OS does. So I just I feel like that's sort of a step back if they're trying to actually rival the Apple Watch. The the Fitbit hasn't really done that. The Fitbit has tapped a market of fitness, but I don't know that it's there as a count. Like it would really be a counter to the Apple Watch. So you haven't used Wear OS in a while, right, Stephen? You you had one of the LG Wears, like the Square ones, at one point in time. It's been a couple of years since you've had. It's still sitting on my nightstand, actually. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not. I'm not. How do I put this best? I'm not being super negative when I say it's slow and the experience is lacking at times. Like I'll push a button on my watch to try and do something. It'll sit there and hang for 10 seconds. God forbid you try and use OKG word uh, voice commands from your watch. It will take sometimes after 15, 20 seconds, then eventually start the process, then air out. And part of the problem there is crappy processors. All the Snapdragon processors in them are garbage where Android, Android, where Apple was smarter as they control the supply line. They dictate the process that goes in it they can key to it better. I honestly think that Google would be better served by kind of backing off of Wear OS for now, doing enhancements to the Fitbit side of the house, and then eventually creating some operating system that's a hybrid of what works best with Fitbit with what they wanted to do with Wear OS and trying to find a way to give minimum hardware specifications in which it could run. Because the biggest problem they have is it's all running on old hardware right now that makes the experience painful for people. I would not recommend a Wear OS wearable to anyone at this point in time. If they really wanted to get a wearable, I'd say, no, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, get an Apple Watch. If you're in the Android ecosystem, look at the Samsung one or look at a Fitbit or something like that, especially if you're more fitness inclined. But Wear OS just feels like it's withering on the vine. And uh, it really bugs me if that's the case because or because that's the case, because I obviously you're my source on this because I don't know a lot of people who have an Apple or an Android watch. But Mm -hmm. The thing that's frustrating about me is because like as an Android user, I want to have something that is a smartwatch. Like don't let's make sure we recap the fact here that you and I had the smartwatch long before the Apple Watch was around. This right. should be better. It should be a very good rival to the Apple Watch, but again, and Android is not really going the way that it always needs to go. And we've seen that actually even with some of the more recent just plain old Android changes and whatnot. And it's frustrating to me because I want that Android watch experience. What you need is a Pixel watch. And there are rumors that Google is exploring doing things like that. They bought a bunch of patents and part of Fossil. And for those that aren't aware, Fossil's been making a ton of Android Wear watches for years now. They make arguably some of the better ones out there. So Google bought a bunch of patents and bought up a bunch of the developers that worked that side of the house. So they're starting to assemble that staff. And then they go and buy Fitbit which makes me think that they have plans for some hybrid approach or to take what works from both to create something new, because I just don't really see how you would be able to mesh those two different OSs together to make something good. And if you did, whether that would even be successful. SP, have you ever owned a Fitbit or had anyone in your family own a Fitbit? Yeah, we owned Fitbits before the Apple watches came out and it was interesting. Hmm. There is some uh, health benefits that require you to do like 10,000 steps a day, or I forget what the the mark is. If you get enough of those in a row, then you earn points on your health and fitness and your insurance sort of thing Mm -hmm. with your work and that sort of thing. So we've been early adopters for that. I can't wear anything on my wrist, so I literally can't, uh, can't have either. But yeah, we had Fitbits early. No, a lot of people at work have Fitbits. And somebody was just asking me the other week about a 
Wear OS watch or an Android watch or a watch for Android. And I didn't have any experience. I actually reached out to Chris. Chris gave me a couple examples, but nowhere is it to the extent of the integration that the Apple Watch is. I'm waiting for a certain Amazon company to really, uh, you know, just take a, uh, a, a dive into a version of the Android operating system that's a hybrid with the A word. <laughs> well, they tried their their Fire phones for a while, right? And they just never yeah. took off. But can you imagine just like, you know, having an Amazon voice services just, you know, strapped to your wrist? Wouldn't that be awesome? It would look kind of like that, don't you think? In yeah. So in the box right behind me, I actually have one of those um, car. What do they call it? The car A words? Oh, for, for Android you. or A word auto. Yes. I keep saying yes. Android auto. Everybody's using auto. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> So I've got one of those. Uh, it was meant for the car that I was rebuilding and not for the car that I have CarPlay in. So I haven't had a chance to to actually install it and use it and that sort of stuff. Also, I just want to make a plug here. I think I've talked about it before, but as far as the other side of the house, an Apple Watch literally saved my dad's life earlier this year. So the Apple Watch 4 with a heart rate monitor literally saved his life. That's awesome. So, twice, actually, this year. And it was a holiday gift last year, and my sister and I went in on it to to give it to him. And that sort of stuff, if you can do that sort of integration, I don't care what the brand is. If you could do that sort of integration, whether it's Fitbit, whether it's Wear OS, whether it's Apple Watch, that's the sort of stuff that's going to turn some heads in mm -hmm. the future. And it definitely turned my head right now. Am I a staunch um, defender of the Apple Watch because of this? Well, yeah, but I realize that Fitbit also has heartbeat heartbeat monitoring and stuff. It's it like I said, it's the integration with the health and fitness apps and everything else. Like if you're trying to control music, if you're trying to control other things, like we were just saying, Stephen, if you have that A word watch that looks like a dot, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, if you can do that, if you could do that integration, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that integration. I know you can put podcasts on Apple Watch. Okay, that's neat. We had that before with something called the iPod Shuffle, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and now to have podcast listening on your watch. Okay, but it's not necessarily new in that size and that fit form. It's new in that it's integrated and you can download it to it without having to plug it into a computer and stuff, but everything's that way now. So yeah, I'm liking the future. I was just reading an article earlier this weekend. It was talking about everybody's resurging into the development of the glasses. They, they want to skip the phones and go to glasses, like the Google glasses or whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. What about people that need prescription glasses? I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. I think wearable tech will probably have another peak again, maybe before another valley. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to the next news point here, which is, is another piece of Google-related news, right, Chris? That is indeed. So I saw today from certain folks that posted a podcast or Facebook group that Google was updating the terms of service to YouTube. Now, how they phrased it made it seem a lot worse than I thought it probably was. So I had to go and look and see what the actual changes the term of terms of service were for myself to then form my own opinion versus falling trapped to hyperbole and thoughts. Oh, my God, Google's going to destroy all my content. You better host your own stuff or you're screwed. You know, that kind of stuff. So what is happening is they are rolling out an updated terms of service on December 10th. There is a new line in there that a lot of people have read and have a bit of issue with. Specifically, the new line in the terms of service states that YouTube is under no obligation to host or serve content. What does that mean? It's basically another way of saying that YouTube is a relatively open platform. It doesn't mean that the company is required to keep videos up, meaning if you post your video of your top 10 hate speech phrases, Google can shut it down. They could also theoretically shut down Stephen Jondrew's top 10 makeup application tips, but that's probably not going to be something they target because what would be the point in pulling that down? It's true because most people look at me and go, wow, that's ugly. Let me turn off of this. I mean, perhaps I'm making a bit of an oversimplification here, but 
It's not as bad as it sounds. Let's also remember companies update their terms of service all the time. Looking back, this was YouTube's third change or will be their third change in the terms of service just in the year 2019. A lot of those updates seemingly coincide with updated rulings based off the Federal Trade Commission's guidelines for YouTube, although YouTube reps deny those changes are made because of that ruling. Specifically, many of the updates we've seen recently center around who's using the platform in protection for children. In September, the Federal Trade Commission issued a $170 million fine against Google for alleged violations of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. YouTube also agreed to make changes to further protect children's privacy and comply with the law. So if you upload videos to YouTube right now, you've seen this on the very last page. There's a couple confirmation steps where you have to say, yes, there's nothing in here that is children being uploaded against their will or something to that extent. I don't remember the exact language because I just remembered that I've seen it there. But basically, you have to sign off on the fact that you're not violating a child's privacy and uploading these videos. So that's a change I think we could all argue kind of made sense. Other changes just seem to give YouTube more power. One of the most controversial clauses that creators have tweeted about since Google began alerting people to the upcoming changes has to do with termination. Various YouTubers have tweeted out a segment from the terms of service that effectively states YouTube may terminate your access or your Google account's access to all or part of the service if YouTube believes in its sole discretion that provision of the service to you is no longer commercially viable. Some creators have read this as saying that YouTube can simply terminate channels and accounts if they're not earning revenue but this has been in Google's terms of service since 2018. So we're kind of jumping on something that's been there for a while. The update just modifies the wording that is in there to basically give YouTube more leeway to make the determination. It now says YouTube has the sole discretion to terminate an account, whereas before it said YouTube must reasonably reasonably believe it should do so. This is words that came directly from a YouTube spokesperson given to The Verge. They've also stated that it is also not changing how we work with creators, nor their rights over their works, or their rights to monetize. So do we really think YouTube's going over the line here? Or is it a bunch of people that are reading bits and pieces of the terms of service, not realizing some of those terms have already been there, just reworded, and over-exaggerating and spinning up hype that's really not necessary, guys. It hasn't really changed much about how YouTube works. There were so many people quoting this, and it was interesting for me to read that the big thing that people were quoting has not really changed and it's been there for a while. So number one, there's your, um, what do you call that? Uh, fear mongering, I guess there's your fear mongering right there. Yeah. Uh, but the second thing is I understand the reason for doing this because they need more leeway now than ever to make the decisions that they feel best fits their business model because YouTube has grown to be such a big thing that everybody thinks they're entitled. They think it's a right for them to be able to use YouTube. It's a company that is offering a service and that company gets to decide what they are going to host on there. It is a company and it's not something that they that everybody is entitled to have that there. And if they are wanting to be able to cancel accounts, as we've seen through many, many different organizations, that there have been different organizations having to take action for the best of their business or the perceived best of their business, they need to make sure their terms of service support that ability. And with so many people looking at terms of service and looking at accounts that have been canceled and really overanalyzing the why, was YouTube really allowed to cancel this account and things like that? They need to do what they can to be able to make that decision at their own discretion in as clear cut manner as possible. And if this is in here and they think that a some, somebody's channel is no longer, quote, commercially viable, it's just a way for them to cancel that again. So, again, I understand it. And I, I take issue with people who think they're entitled to use YouTube. Yes, we get to upload stuff to YouTube effectively for free because YouTube has the ability to potentially monetize it, get commercials. And let's be honest, a lot of folks who do web TV shows, for lack of a better term, Make use of services like YouTube, Vimeo, Twitch, Periscope, Mixer, all sorts of places to put that video. We're not paying a cost to do that. They're eating a cost to process the video, to present it, to allow potentially hundreds, thousands of people to watch it or rewatch it at a later date. So the service we are being provided, I think to a less to an extent, we could say this is Google protecting themselves. If something you do while making use of the service you're getting for free 
is damaging to them as a company. They don't care that we would come on the Gunny Geek show and spend the last 15 minutes trashing Wear OS because it's not that good lately. YouTube's not going to come in and shut us down and say, oh, our sole discretion says that uh, you're no longer viable. We're shutting things down. That's not in their interest. Their interest is if I start putting hate speech out on YouTube, which they've had a problem with, or conspiracy theories, fake news kind of things, that they have an ability to go and shut down things that are not to the benefit of the community and things like that. And Maybe I am putting too much faith in YouTube. Maybe I'm expecting the big bad company to do good here, but I don't think we're talking about a terrible trade-off here, which is YouTube controls the content that's on their platform for free. I'm going to liken this to another service that's out there right now that's had to combat some issues, which do they call things uh, that they can retract or, or get rid of off their service or do they keep it on there? And that's Twitter. And I, I won't go into the specifics because I, I don't really want to talk about that sector of everything. But basically, it came into the purview that they were deeming certain accounts public service. So the information coming out of these accounts were public service, whether you agreed with them or not. Maybe they would have violated some terms of service otherwise. But they're saying, well, this is public service because of the nature of these accounts. I think at some point in time, YouTube is going to have to make that determination as well. And I don't recall, I skimmed through the terms of service. I did not read the terms of service, so I don't know if it's in there or not. But this is an example, a commercial or a public service is an example of something that's really not commercially viable. And I wonder if that is going to... Uh, make another generation in terms of service. These companies are literally figuring this out on the fly because social media and for terms of this argument, I will lump YouTube in there. Social media has become more and more important in everybody's lives, just like radio and TV were broadcast TV were when I was growing up. And I'm wondering how the terms of service are going to change that way. I will say that YouTube right now is a company. They can determine what's viable on their platform or not. I will agree with Steven in that if they don't want you on the platform, they don't have to have you on the platform. It's a private service right now, and there is no entitlement. You are not entitled to be on their service. Well, we'll see where this goes. If we know anything, we know that it will continue to be pushed, and we will see if there is any result coming from that. And people continue to push their agendas based off how they interpret Google's changes to the terms of service. We saw it just today. Yeah, fair enough. And again, I thought that that was interesting that one of the big things that was being waved around isn't new, isn't new. So it's interesting for sure. Before we move on to the next news point here, I did also ask a poll about this. And I said, does this affect your thoughts on you on using YouTube? And 17% said, yes, it affects my thoughts. 83% says no it does not. Moving on to the next news point now, it's all about space with SP. That's why he's called SP, because that's the first part of space. So this past week, there was an abort test by Boeing, and this is similar to the SpaceX abort test that was eh, a failure, pretty much, that caused the SpaceX uh, crude dragon program to be delayed. This is Boeing CST 100 Starliner, and they did a test last Monday and it kept the program on track for a December demonstration flight to the International Space Station. This was after passing that key safety test on Monday, November 4th, which used its emergency escape thrusters to get the capsule airborne during a pad abort test at the U.S. Army's White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico. Technicians have now had some time to analyze the data, according to an article on space.com by Mike Wall, and the initial assessments are very positive. This is from both NASA officials and Boeing representatives. So just to fast forward, an on-crewed mission known as the Orbital Flight Test, or OFT, is scheduled to launch from Cape Canaveral no earlier than, than December 17th. The CST-100 Starliner will make its way to the ISS, remain attached to the orbiting lab for about a week, and then come back down to Earth. 
if all goes well with the OFT, a crude demonstration mission to the ISS will follow sometime next year in 2020. Uh, contracted operational flights will come sometime after that. By the way, SpaceX Crewed Dragon has already flown its version of the OFT, spending six days attached to the ISS this past March on a mission known as Demo-1. Demo-2 for SpaceX will carry NASA astronauts Bob Bankton and Doug Hurley to the ISS, and it could launch early next year if all goes well with the Crew Dragon's upcoming in-flight abort trial and continued testing of the capsule's newly redesigned parachute system, representatives from SpaceX have said. So we got the CST-100 Starliner and the Crew Dragon both forging their way back into space so that the United States, anyway, could have a commercial capability to lift astronauts off into space and then they no longer would have to rely on the Russian Soyuz capsule. Chris, I'm going to let you ask a question here or talk about this point for a second. And then I have a question that's, I think, related to this, but uh, we'll come back to that in a sec. Oh, no, I already know what Steven's going to do. All right. So I'll ask my question here is arguably this is to get us to a more modern feature for shuttles and space travels, things like that, too, because what the Soyuz capsules are, to put it ancient, is charitable. So we should expect that once these deploy, arguably it's more technologically advanced and safer, correct? Oh, yeah. You're talking about yeah. glass cockpits. You're talking about safety measures that have accrued over time. But this is a compilation of being able to design it from the ground up and not just retrofitting the capsule as you go. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at something here that once viable and ready to go should be safer should be safer rather and we should have less concerns of accidents happening because new tech new safety measures advancements because of what we've learned over the years from failures of shuttles or other kind of stuff capsules things like that so it's all good news for us once we get there it's just we got to get there and we're getting so close sometime next year and within the next 12 months we'll have one go up nice Okay, so here's here's the article that I wanted to bring up here, which I think is sort of semi-related, maybe tangentially. Uh, it was on Ars Technica, and the headline was NASA rejects Blue Origin's offer of a cheaper upper stage for the SLS rocket. Did you read about that at all or hear about that at all? Uh, just in the headlines. I didn't actually read the article. Okay been busy this past week okay i wanted to ask your take on that but maybe we'll just leave that dangling here we'll let that just simmer for a little bit until next week and you come back and chime in on that because i wanted to get your take on that and uh, i'll send you the link and we'll make sure to come back and tap on that again next week sure but just on the face of it okay so they're offering for an upper stage okay is are they offering for a capsule too or just the upper stage? Well, you'll have to read the article and come back on that in All the right. future. We'll we'll hit on that next week. I was really thinking Stephen was going to talk about Sir Richard Branson's company because it's just his shtick. Stephen can talk about that all he wants. I will leave it with no comment. I'm not going to. Okay. I'm not going to. And uh unfortunately, the poll for this news to topic here is meaning that there's a lot of people which is going to unfortunately not know about this crucial part of the space race. Because I asked the question, do you regularly follow space news? And 63% yes, said yes, and 38% said no. And in the chat, we even had Liberty Dude, I think it is, say, I follow SP space news. And we had Kent say, I try to follow space news, but don't really have the time to do it. SP, you are making people not know 38% of people based off of our poll, not know all about this crucial part called Virgin Galactic. I'm very sad. Aren't you sad for those people? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the extra extra. Let's talk quickly about some interesting things that came out this past week, including Disney plus this came out of left field here. It was announced just the other day for those of you who are looking to get the Disney Plus service. Well, guess what? You will be able to get it on Fire TV devices. 
It looks like at the last hour here, because we record this on Mondays, and this is Monday, November 11th, meaning Disney Plus comes out tomorrow for us. It looks like at the last hour, there was an agreement that it is going to launch. Disney Plus will launch being available to uh, have the app downloaded on the Fire TV devices. Those are your Amazon Fire Sticks. This was a big hole because Fire TVs have really taken off in the last couple of years and has really filled that void for many people who are looking for an inexpensive streaming stick. And so it looks like this is now going to launch available on Fire TV. Now, is this only in US? Don't know. They haven't said for sure like if it's everywhere Disney Plus is launching or if there'll be a slow rollout to other countries. I guess I'll find out tomorrow because I'm in Canada. And honestly, the Disney Plus rollout has been very, very discomforting for me because they haven't even listed what is going to be available in Canada. So I don't know. Uh, I can't even pre-order Disney Plus as of right now. Go to the website. There's a counter. That's it. Yeah. And there's other places that have it worse. Like the UK doesn't get it for another six months. I think it is something crazy like that. And I was checking just before the show started on my Apple TV, on my Roku, and on my Android and iOS devices, I could not preload the Disney Plus app. So it is not available to pull down yet. So sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. is what Eastern time is what everyone is theorizing because supposedly the service goes live at 6 a.m. tomorrow and supposedly it will be available to download as of 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. It should be there. Uh, they also did throw out some really cool news today that they actually have more Marvel movies on there than we originally planned. They started rolling out a ton of stuff aside from like the things that they still have a deal with Netflix on. So you won't get like Star Wars, Last Jedi, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok, I think it is. But even Endgame will be on there tomorrow, coming a month earlier than originally advertised. Oh, interesting. I didn't think it would be on there. They moved up the date a month so that Endgame would be a launch title. So say what you want. Disney is putting a ton of things into Disney Plus to try and get people to sign up. Plus, if you watched college football here this last weekend in the United States, uh, everything on ESPN was ads for Disney Plus. The commercials as you went to commercial break, the ticker at the bottom of the screen had Disney Plus things showing up on it. They're pushing it hard. I am hesitant to sign up only for fear that there will be a deal, but I probably will just go and do it. I actually told my wife the other day, <laughs> I hadn't even mentioned it to her. She didn't even know about it. And I'm like, by the way, Tuesday, there's this new Disney service where I'm signing you up and she, she or I'm signing us up. And she kind of looks at me and she, she's like, what? Well, what is this? And I explain it. And she's like, okay, <laughs> it just sounds cool. <laughs> Good for your kids, too. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing is um, we have really struggled to try to find some of those classic Disney movies digitally or in a manner that is easy for them to be able to watch. And yeah, this is great. I'm really excited, assuming that even the majority of the content that they've announced for the U.S. is available in Canada. So I look forward to that. Maybe I'll uh, try to download those apps on my lunch tomorrow. We shall find out. But will John Carter be available tomorrow on Disney Plus? I'm sure it'll be there. I think I saw it in that tweet storm they did of all of the content that would be there. Okay, because it wasn't in their original list of everything. Kent says in the chat room, John Carter will be there. And I All think right. he's been reading Sold. up on Disney Plus lately. <laughs> Disney Plus is coming to the SP household tomorrow then. Perfect. So he can put John Carter on loop forever. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Let's go to our last extra extra point here, which comes in the way of more Apple news. That's right. We talked a couple of Google news points earlier. So let's go ahead and even it out with an Apple one. And it looks like there has been an Apple patent filed that has been spotted for an Apple Watch that might have a touch sensing device, force sensing device, temperature sensing device, and or fingerprint sensor, end quote. Basically, this looks like there's a patent to try to get some form of touch ID into the Apple Watch. I think this is a smart move and may explain a little bit Apple's move to get the fingerprint reader out because there are people who really do still miss the fingerprint reader on the iPhone. And if this is something that they end up integrating to a watch, some people could potentially, if it ties to your phone, 
be more enticed to get an Apple Watch if it means they can just use it to for their fingerprint reader and get their fingerprint reader back. You know, like, could you imagine if um, all of a sudden the Apple Watch had a headphones jack on it that would tie to your phone or whatever? Then all of a sudden people might be like, yeah, I'm going to get an Apple Watch because I can go ahead and plug my headphones in uncomfortably on my watch. You know, I think it would be very interesting to see uh, or to see what this will do if they do end up doing it. Now, patents are filed all the time that don't materialize, but I'm interested to see if this is the case. I think it's a logical step myself. Chris Farrell, you were just talking about Android watches. What do you think about this? I mean, if it gets the fingerprint sensor back, I guess that's okay. But this is not something that I would necessarily care about in my watch. It'd be another one of those things that's nice to have, but not a necessary feature. Okay. I am jealous of the people that can actually wear this stuff. I can't because of nerve damage. And I guess as they go forward to being able to do wear OS or, or wear smart things somewhere else on your body other than the wrist, then I will be more and more intrigued. Like the glasses are, would be good. A, a necklace would be good, you know, whatever. I don't really want to know where you're wanting this watch SP. I don't really want to know the specifics of that. Well, it's got to be somewhere where you're at work and you can see it, right? So I've actually gone to wearing a pocket watch. And if there was a some sort of a, a smart device that could be worn like a pocket watch, you know, I could do that. But I can't wear anything on my wrist. I am a very, very, very small percentage of the population. Everywhere else can wear watches. But me, I'm looking for that other thing and it's just not economically viable for it. It's like podcasting gear. Musically, the audio gear was always deemed towards bands. Mm. And who cares about podcasters? I get the same thing with this watch thing, which I would love to wear one. I just can't. I am so glad that you said a pocket watch because when you were saying that you want the other thing, you're talking about the thing. I was really worried about where you wanted to put that watch and that you could see it at your workplace. No comment. <laughs> Before we move into another edition of Geek Wars, I did run a poll about the Disney Plus service. I was asking where people are going to watch Disney Plus. We had 14% say an Amazon Fire device, 14% say Apple TV, 14% say Chromecast, and 57% said not getting Disney Plus. Wah, wah. Wow. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Geek Wars. It's time for another edition of Geek Wars. For those of you who uh, are not familiar with this, essentially, it's a fun little way that I can ask a series of questions and walk down memory lane of something asking Chris Farrell and SP or whoever is on at that time a bunch of these questions and they get to chime in with the answers. Now, here's the thing. Nobody really wins in this game because number one, they have to hear me ask a bunch of questions. That's pretty pretty much a loss right away. But number two, often we tie. But should they want to chime in, which I encourage you to, otherwise it makes very poor audio programming, uh, they will say their name when they are ready to answer. If they decline to answer or they get the wrong answer, then they go ahead and the other person has an opportunity to respond as well. At the end of this, we will have hopefully a winner, possibly a tie, as I mentioned, but we will see. Chris Farrell and SP, are you ready for this? Yes. No. Now, I have a theme today. I have a theme because there is another uh -oh. podcast that two, two of you do together with a awesome person named Michelle Ely. Michelle, I hate Steven podcast. <laughs> the I hate Steven podcast is one, but the other one that you folks do is the oh, Starling Tribune. Chris loves Laurel Lance podcast. The Chris loves Laurel Lance podcast, formerly okay. known as the Starling Tribune. I love Laurel. She is my favorite <laughs> character. The Starling Tribune is the Arrow TV podcast of the Guinea Geek Network. And so Arrow is ending this year. We've mentioned it before. We're in our final home stretch here of the Arrow episodes. What do we got left? Five? How many more do we got? Seven. Seven? Yeah. Six seven. Or seven. There's only been three in the so, new. So we're in the final stretch. The final. We're in the back half of the year. 
No, six, six. We we haven't podcasted about the last one. We're, six. We're, we're almost at that halfway point. Almost in the back half. Maybe when someone listens to this in a couple of weeks, it'll be weeks. It'll be accurate. But we're getting along. We're moving along. And I thought we would do a arrow themed version of hmm. Geek Wars. Sure. We're gonna the look- night before Disney Plus launches. Let's go into the DC universe <laughs> why, and let's talk not? about that. Why not? Right. So let's go ahead and go into the Arrow universe, and I'm going to ask a series of questions about this. Are you oh, comfortable dear. with this? No. I guess. Well, it doesn't matter if you are. Question number one. We'll start off with a, a warm-up question. What is the name of the shipwrecked Lian Yu Wessel? Chris. Chris. It's the Amazo. Oh, is it? Is it? I was going to ask, are you talking about the one that's in the harbor or, or the, the one that... Gambit. Yeah. Uh, it was the Lian Yu wrecked vessel, I said. Yeah, that's the amazing. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with... So so, oh. so, what is Chris saying? Chris is saying the amazing. right? No, 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 no. Thank you for that clarification. SP. S- SP, what is it? Oh, God. Stupid sub. Uh, <sighs> I can't remember the name of the sub, but there was a that's sub ambiguous because the Amazo was wrecked at Leanne Yu also. Yeah. Well, I'll just be honest. I was giving people on Geeks.Live an opportunity to respond because you nailed it right away. <laughs> it was absolutely the Amazo. And nobody well, got wait it right. A minute. So. <laughs> it, it, it could have been the sub. It could have been. It could have been the sub. But you didn't say the name, so it's a moot point. Because <laughs> right. none of us remember the name of the sub. That's been six seasons ago. Uh, I was just, yeah, just biding time there. Next question. Question number two, by the way, this does put Chris at one. The next question I have here is name the character who played Moira Queen's love interest in season one of Arrow. Chris? Chris, what is it? Walter Steele. You're saying Walter Steele. Is that your I final answer? I am Walter Steele, not Malcolm Merlin, a.k.a. the magician, <laughs> but Walter Steele. Chris is now yes. at two. Chris is absolutely at two because that is absolutely correct. It is Walter Steele. That's the actor's name? I you said, said the character. Played. I, I said All whatever. Right, whatever. What? I'm sorry. These questions I'm are very sorry. poorly worded. <laughs> I am putting in an official SP's, protest. I will side with SP just because I feel like if I don't, then I'm not doing my part to build team building and camaraderie. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. By the way, this puts WHE at a thousand points for some reason there's a thousand points now on the on uh the Geeks. Live version. <laughs> man all right let's go with a, a hard one here mm. portrayed by ctv news anchor carrie adams name the character who recurs as a news anchor in both arrow and the flash what is the name of the character There's, oh, do we lose points for wrong guesses? No. Chris. What? Steven John Drew. That's not correct. No, 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 Damn. no. Damn. Uh, okay, we'll go ahead and... <laughs> it's uh, just a news... So they re- they use real news anchors, and I don't care because I'm not from the area. <laughs> it always says at the bottom the name. It always says the name. Okay. So, I know. Who cares? So, you know, I, I think I've actually heard Michelle reference the character name, so you're just not as much of a fan. Go ahead and put that out there. Okay. Okay. Is it A... Joanna De La Vega, B, Susie Strom, or C, Bethany Adams? I know. Bethany Adams, I'll go with. That's what I was going to say, too. Uh, SP just beat you, which puts him at one because it SP is. SP didn't buzz it in. It is. Be- you know, he, he, I, he said, he went, yeah, I don't know. That's his name, is I don't know. His name is I don't know today. I didn't know that was for points. Great. Yes. I see what kind of skull druggery we got going on here. By the way, the chat did. Um, majority of the people did get that. Well, yeah, they had because three they're choices. googling. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next question here. It's not called the Suicide Squad. What is it called, Chris? Not award winning, <laughs> Chris. Task Force X uh, puts Chris at three. It is absolutely Task Force X. 
By the way, one of the multiple choice questions or answers that we had there at Geeks.Live was League of Assassins, and somebody did guess that. So I I was a little tricky there. I was a little tricky, wasn't I? I don't know. We can't look at the answers. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. League of Heroes. This is a trap to see if I'm cheating. I see how it is. All right. So the scoreboard currently resides at three for Chris and one for SP. Next question here. First and last name. What is the actual name of the Huntress? Not the not the actor name, actress name. What is the actual name of the Huntress? Oh, uh, Chris. SP. I think Chris beat you. I think he did. Uh, uh, that's fine. Okay. Helena Bertinelli. Wow. Way to go. I, I got that Bertinelli, yeah. Bertinelli, but I was like, what was her first name? I don't remember. I was the other way around. I remembered the Helena and I was trying to remember the last <laughs> name because uh, yeah. depending on which earth you're on, it's different in the remember DC the comics. Remember the actor that played the father? Mm-hmm. The Bertinelli father? Yeah. Vaguely. And uh, never mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question. Question number six. What was Amanda Waller's Argus codename? Chris. Chris, what is it? The Wall. Nope. Her code name was not The Wall. It, wow. I don't comics. know. That, that would be the only one I know. I know it's not Harbinger. It is not. No, no. This is wall discrimination, and I'm not standing <laughs> for it. When I build my wall between the United States and Canada, you'll know because I'm going to say, not a wall, quoted Stephen John Drew, or not the <laughs> you- wall, excuse me. You got me there. Okay, I, I, I will give no you. I will give you three options here. I'll give you four options here. Okay, is it okay. A. Nissa, B. <laughs> Renegade, C. Mockingbird, or D. Harbinger? Okay, it's not A or D, <laughs> but you got me. I didn't pay attention to her code name. I'll, I'll say SP. I'll go with. C Mockingbird. SP is correct. It is Mockingbird. That was a 50-50. Yeah. That was a coin flip. <laughs> Good job. Oh, we actually had a split on the poll on that one. They're 33% between uh B, C, and D. So that's awesome. Okay. All right. Next one that we have here is we'll just continue down the Argus line, by the way, as well with Amanda Waller, because let's be honest, she was a good character. Uh, Waller began shipping weapons to Lian Yu to shoot down an aircraft that was carrying China White. What was the name of the airline of that aircraft? Uh, Chris. Chris? China One. No. I don't know. <laughs> China One. I like it. Damn it. <laughs> I... All right. Was it A, the... Queen Air, B, Ferris mm-hmm. Air, C, China Air or D Air China? Chris. Chris? B. Which was? Ferris Air. It was Ferris Air. Oh, was? They went, they was. went for the Easter egg. Yeah, it was uh, Ferris Air. Because I thought that that particular one, they went for another aircraft name. It was Ferris Air. Airliner. Okay. Ferris there, Air. I mean, there was a lot of Ferris Air in the early episodes. We haven't seen mm. Ferris Air a long time. I think the Long flash time. Was the last time we've seen. If Ferris you didn't Air. gather, actually, all of my questions have been from season one and season two. Uh, all right, let's go with a one that might be actually easy. What is the name of Shadow's sister? This might have been season three. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's season three. <clears throat> was it May? Ray? Lay or Jane? SP. SP? I will go with May. You are absolutely correct. Nice. Really? You are that right. That was another pick one out of a, <laughs> a bucket. I just want to get my name out there before Chris says his name. <laughs> uh, puts SP at three and Chris at five. See, aren't you the, glad by, we went with this before Disney Plus? Because uh, you probably would have been lopsided one way or the other with Disney Plus. This is because actually it like a race. Because it all John Carter trivia, and I would have won. <laughs> yeah, you'd have won. Yeah. Question number nine. The current Dinah was not the first Dinah in era, Arrow. Who was the first Dinah? 
Chris? Chris? It was Laurel Dinah Lance. Is that what you're meaning? Played no. by Cassidy? No. No, 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 no. Uh, oh. SP. Yep. Yeah. It was the mom. What mom? It, it was D- D- Laurel's mom. It was. Laurel and yeah. Sarah's mom. It was. Yeah. It was Dinah Lance. You are absolutely correct. Look at that. It's a, it's. Chris is just a, a hair ahead. A hair ahead. I completely. He's comic based knowledge too, so he can go ahead and win this. <laughs> All right. Question number ten, which you will receive one point for each character. Oh dear. If you provide the actor and the character name, you will receive two points. Okay. So this is a potential for multiple points. Are you ready for this? Okay. No. I have my notepad. Okay. <laughs> Name all of the characters which were, were promoted to series regulars for season two. Again, one point for the character name, one point for the actor. So actor and character name. And actor first and last name. Chris. Uh, so, oh my God, complete brain fart. <laughs> you just put me on the spot. Uh, Going once. Roy Palmer, played by Brandon Routh. Season two. No, no, season three. Um, oh, my God. What is wrong with me? Colton Haynes, Roy. Uh, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Roy Harper. Okay, so is that your guess? That's your, that's your entire Haynes, Roy of Harper. Your, of your then guess? there was Felicity Smoke that was, oh, my God. Why is my, uh, my <laughs> brain? Emily Bett Records. All right, so that's your entire Susanna guess. Susanna Thompson, Moira Queen, and uh, Manu Bennett as Slade Wilson, aka Deathstroke. All right, I should have. I, I will confess, I didn't. I should have not let you get wrong answers. I shouldn't have let you do that, but I will. Oh. I will. I will have to because I feel like you're kind of throwing things at the wall. But you did get all. There was only three that got promoted: Roy Harper, uh, Colton Haynes, Manu Bennett as Slade Wilson, and Emily Bett Records. West Felicity Smoke, which as we all know, that was like a complete like random character that never was, when, should have been. When did but, Isabel Rochev come on the show? Season was two, that, but I don't think she was in the main credits. No, she wasn't. She wasn't mm. a regular. So that does that was give my guess. Chris... That was my one damn guess. So that <sighs> means that Chris is indeed at 11 because he got all six. Way to go, Chris. Chris has 11 and SB at four. See, you're always a fighting, <laughs> always a fighting chance there. And, um, yeah, you know, I actually thought there was a few more than three, to be honest. But when I went back and I looked, uh, I only saw three in the list of main character or main cast. Was Susanna Thompson in the regular credits all along then? Yeah, she was regular from season one. Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah uh, she was. Yeah. But I, it depends on what earth you're watching the show on. Because <laughs> if you're on a different earth, like Tommy would have been a regular, you know, so... Fair enough. That Earth doesn't exist anymore. You know, I hope that with the whole crisis thing and everything, somewhere we need we need like a montage of alternate title sequence of what could be so many different versions of Arrow. That's what we need. We need like just like one episode where it's just like a five minutes long of different title sequences with uh, with different I, arrows. I'd be okay with a YouTube video with that. <laughs> for, you know, like in, from the official CW account to see the the montage of that look the the crisis is is being pumped up this is something that a lot of people have been looking forward to for a long time the comics this past year have been all focusing on a a crisis event as well by the way if you aren't reading dc comics they're doing that and now we have an after show and it's not done by chris hardwick done by kevin smith (laughs) yeah so i'm like wow so not chris hardwick he must not read dc comics you know that was actually what gave me the idea to do this was because there was a couple of crisis announcements this past week one of which was the after show the other was we got a teaser just the other day and that's why i wanted to do this but i probably should have done disney plus but that could be done at any point disney plus ain't going nowhere arrow is (sighs) that's true Bye bye arrow. Uh January twenty eighth is the last arrow episode ever. So See, so Sterling. we only got like two more weeks left. It's almost Good night, done. sweet prince. <laughs> well, thank you guys for participating in that. And we hope that this helped you enlighten yourself a little bit on some of the early days of Arrow if you didn't watch it, or 
maybe refresh your memory if you did. Chris Farrell, Farrell. Did I say Chris Pharaoh? Did I say Chris Pharaoh? Because we were saying you may call me Pharaoh. <laughs> Chris Pharaoh, <laughs> the Pharaoh. There's your code name now. He is the Pharaoh because he won here. Although I have to say, if Michelle was on here, she would have owned all of y'all. I don't Probably. know if she would own Chris. She definitely owns me on this. <laughs> I think she would have destroyed both of you. SP, before we go, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote? Over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're running down the final, <laughs> second and final season of Cloak and Dagger right now. And it's fun to, it's a fun show and it was canceled, but I think it would have been canceled no matter what because of the move to Disney Plus. Disney and Marvel is moving a lot of their content over there. Matter of fact, there were some rumblings that Daredevil might appear over on Disney Plus that they were thinking about Ooh. starting that over. And I think the contract runs out and Netflix after two years. So we might actually see the same actors over on Disney Plus. Are you serious? It's the rumor. Yeah, it's it's a rumor now, but I, there's more to the rumor. Like they're actually in talks with the actor and the and the production team. Question is which site reporting that? <laughs> yeah, because that, that's there's fair. one there's one site that is notorious for stuff like that. They did it for Crisis, and Guggenheim just called them out and was like, "Yeah, how can they uh, claim they knew this when we didn't figure it out until a week ago?" When they're trying to be like, "We called this six months ago. We knew it." Right. Yeah. So one site's really bad. Yeah, but call them that's out. Fair. Do you want to call them out? Yeah. We got this covered. If you use them for your news on Marvel, DC, things like that. They're pretty crappy. They'll make wild claims and say they have sources that they don't have. And then the creators call them out and say, hey, this is BS. Don't I've I've fallen victim to mm -hmm. it before and talked about it on ATGN. I will not cite any news source that reaches back to we got this covered anymore because they're wrong just as much as they're right, because they just want to get the guests out there and try and be first to get the clicks. I don't put the news out there for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. The ladies do, and they are all stringent on making sure that everything is sourced appropriately before we talk about it, because we don't want to run into the same issue. I don't think we ever have on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they've been really good about it. But yeah, like we'll be talking pre-show and I'll bring something up and Lauren's like, yeah, no, I didn't. That was only like one place or where'd you read that or mm -hmm. whatever. So we make sure we talk about it before we actually have it on air there. So do you think they would keep the continuity? It's really tough to say. And like I said, they've canceled Cloak and Dagger. My inkling is that they're going to cancel Runaways like shortly after the season drops, like three or four weeks, the way they did most of the Netflix shows. And then they'll slowly port it all over to Disney Plus because that's where they want all the Marvel stuff. The one anomaly right now is I guess Ghost Rider is on HBO Max. Got canceled. Oh, it did. Okay. It was supposed to be Hulu. I think it was. And they canceled it. I actually really have been missing Daredevil this year. I have to say, uh, I didn't think I would because I never really binged it right when it came out. It took me, God, what, two years to even watch season one. And I, I then kind of watched the subsequent seasons shortly after they came out. But I, I do miss it. I miss it and I would like to see it. I think it's a show that really had a couple of disservices done to it from a couple different things, one of which was the cancellation. So I kind of hope that we do get that. Um, I actually all of the shows I kind of miss to a degree, even though I haven't finished Jessica Jones. I, I like sort of that being there and available for me to watch when I want to expand my Marvel universe a little bit. Right. I really like that. Yeah, we wanted to run down what was actually airing right now. And since Legion was canceled after season three, we decided not to cover that, but since season three of Runaways was coming up, we were going to take a uh, road to get there. So we covered the first two seasons of Runaways. We've covered the first season of Cloak and Dagger. Next week, we'll start the second, se second season of Cloak and Dagger. There is a Cloak and Dagger uh, tie-in to the Runaways in season three. But like I said, now with Kevin Feige in charge of all things Marvel, including Marvel TV, and Jeff Loeb no longer part of Marvel TV, I think that it's a done deal that these shows are going to be canceled and brought over. Chris, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote? Uh, yeah, like uh, we talked about for this whole Geek Wars thing, Starling Tribune is covering the final season of Arrow. 
So if you want to hear us talk about Arrow and find out some opinions on it before the show is gone, come check us out Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time over at Geeks.Live. Hasn't the final season of Arrow just been a fun ride in general? So far. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how it continues on. But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up. So for episode 309 of the official geek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying thanks for coming on by. If you checked us out live, thanks for listening to us afterwards. Either way, please do get in touch with us at Gonna Geek on Twitter. And I'm SP saying, Stephen, why don't you send your boys on over and I'll pay in 20 bucks to uh, shovel my driveway. I'm Chris Farrell and I am the champion. <laughs> French now. Very nice. Thanks, Chris Jericho. I stole that from him. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. hell was that someone's sounds are on my my computer sounds probably yeah uh, it wasn't mine let's go find wasn't out mine. let's find out which of the microsoft boxes that will do this live do, 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 which do, of them do, reactivated do. their sounds shocking let's find out was it the i5 we're in the sound section let's find out uh da, 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 going to the sound settings but for we some are reason, going to the sound here. settings. So we'll go sound control panel because for some reason this one's not showing in the right spots. We'll go to sounds and look, that one went back to the default sounds. Shocking. Son of a gun. Who would have thought that a Windows 10 product would change its settings? Not yeah. me. Windows 10 is perfection. Might as well in go operating on. system form. Might as well go over to the i7 as well right now and double since check. Day one. Oh. There has never been a podcasting issue with no, Windows never, 10. Never. Ever. Never. Ever. Let's just do this again. Sorry, go ahead. You know what? Windows never gave me podcasting trouble. Windows Emmy. It's the best of them all. You know what? I heard that Windows 10 has been podcasting longer than everyone else. <laughs> 27 and a half years.